listen to the AC Wildcat. Get free $150 wager out of that. Put in code word PHNX and get started with all the fun. Everybody's hopping on. You should hop on as well. And you know who's about to hop on? Arizona's leading receiver, Mr. Stanley Barry Hill III. How you doing, Stan? I'm good. How are you? So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the story of exactly Stan Barry Hill. But let's talk about where the improvement that you guys showed from the NAU to the Oregon game. Now people look at it and say, well, you know what? They still lost by, but you guys were in that game against one of the best teams in the country midway through the third quarter. What was different about that? Was it a different week in practice? You know, the quarterback change, what would you put some of that to? I would just say that um, it was our best week of practice. Everybody was locked in, um, limit the joking around and, I think everybody knew it was time to get serious about what was going on. And then now that we see how good we could actually be, I think it's just going to keep improving on from there. Now, what would you say Jordan McLeod came in and he gave you guys a little bit of a spark, it seemed. And, you know, he, uh, uh, Jed Fish talked about how he had a little bit of a command out there amongst you guys. Was there, you know, what does Jordan bring to the table that's, you know, unique? Yeah, Jordan, he... I mean, he can move with his legs. He, he's very smart. Um, he brings a calm sense. He has a lot of experience. So with all the experience that he's had over the years of playing, he just he knows how to remain cool, calm, and collected when we face adversity. And even if he takes a sack or throws interception, he comes right back out the next drive, and it's like it never happened. He has a short span of if a mistake happens, he could get over it real quick and just be able to keep playing. He doesn't let it affect him too much. We're going to circle back to the team a little bit, but I want to talk about you because you have an incredibly unique story here in Tucson. And before we get to just everything, what does Tucson mean to Stanley Barry Hill III? Uh, to it's everything that I've ever been. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's just home. I've been here my whole life. It's where my family is. Uh, both my parents live here. I went to high school here, played Pop Warner, Little League, all that. So I see people around all the time that I know, and it's just home. Yeah, all right. So let's talk about the Falcons. And people out there that don't know, the Tucson Falcons are kind of a staple in the Pop Warner scene. And you've had NFL guys. You've had your Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. You've had your, you know, I mean, Bijan played with you. Jamari Joyner played with you. When? Yeah. How did that help you? How did that help your experience playing against guys who are all going to be high-level college players? And let's be honest, quite a few guys who are going to get into the NFL. I mean, yeah. Jacoby Covington, another one. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't really think about it. We have, you know, when you're younger, you don't really think about, oh, yeah, they're going to play in the NFL. They're going to play in college. We all dream of it. But it wasn't until the recent years you see all the success that the players who played for the Falcons or grew up around the Falcons have been doing. But we have a lot. But, I mean, it's just we played all sports together. We all ran track together. all played football together. We all played basketball together. So when you see all the players that are going on being successful in the college and the NFL level, you just you just like flash back to the past and you're like, dang, I, I didn't realize we had that many great athletes out of Tucson. Now, all right, let's get to the high school part with – because you put up a lot of numbers in high school. 
at uh, at Mountain View, but a lot of numbers. And but you weren't really recruited, you know, at the level that obviously your talent indicates. Did you um, was that frustrating for you? What was your mind? What was your thought process? Because you're putting up numbers, you're playing against um, you know good players, put doing everything you can, and the recruiting just didn't quite happen at that point. You know, did that kind of force you to? really just kind of bear down for lack of a better term and buckle down and become the player you became? Uh, yeah, my whole life I've kind of been the underdog and I haven't always been the main guy on the team, but I've always been a pretty good player. My dad just always would tell me just when your time comes, just be ready. So like if I was to get three passes a game, I got to score in at least one of them. So yeah, it was frustrating at times, but I talked to my parents and they told me that you think you could play Division One football, then you could walk on to any school you want and we'll figure out how we could pay for it. And U of A has always been my dream school. So when I got the opportunity to walk on there, that was it was incredible. So you transfer then, you go to Orange Lutheran for a year, you know, to improve your skills, get a little bit more look. What was it like being away from home for the first time, being away from your dad, you know, all of your buddies here in Tucson? It was hard. I mean – you could ask my mom and you could ask my dad. I used to call my mom every night and just tell her how much I miss home. And I used to come back here every chance I got. But when I look back, I think it's prepared me for college because being away from home, uh, the classes that I was taking at Orange Lutheran, the, the way that the practices were ran, it was just a whole different structure. And I think that it prepared me for college coming back as a freshman and I feel like I didn't have to transition as much as most college freshmen would have to. All right. So you're at Orange Lutheran. Then you come back to Tucson. You walk on at the U of A. What was the process of getting in touch with the coaches, you know, telling them, hey, I'm Stan Berryhill. I want to walk on. Were they, was it an open arms? Did you really have to, you know, fight for your roster spot? What was that transition like? So it's a funny story. So when I was at Orange Lutheran, I didn't really talk to U of A until I talked to ASU. ASU <laughs> recruited me a little bit at um, Orange Lutheran and told me I could walk on there. So I was going to walk on to ASU, and I guess the U of A coaches found out. And then uh, one of the boost, or not a booster, one of the alumni from U of A who's family friend with us told Rich Rod, uh, that they have this kid and he should be playing here. So we uh, ended up taking the unofficial visit to U of A. I met and talked with Rich Rod a little bit and I knew that's exactly where I wanted to be. ASU was just because I didn't think I had anywhere else, but uh, it wasn't too hard to get a roster spot. I mean, it was a preferred walk-on and I ended up earning a scholarship the next year. So it was good. All right, uh, Matt Rain, I think, speaks for a lot of people when he just uh, posted on here. He said, thanks for your leadership, SB3. You're the man. And I think he speaks for a lot of people in this city. Now, you get to, you get to college then. And obviously, you know, your first year, you're a contributor pretty quickly, Stan. I mean, not to, you know, not the numbers that you have right now, but you, you contributed pretty quickly. Was college an easier transition on the field than maybe you thought? Or was it about what you thought? Uh, it was about what I thought. Um, the game speed is just incredibly fast compared to anything that I've experienced in high school. But, I mean, watching Sean, Point, Sean Poindexter, Sean Brown, Tony Ellison, all the guys who were older than me, 
uh, they were good people to have in my corner to help me with that transition. Tony Ellison and Sean Brown, they played my position. So I didn't, I played behind them my first year and just copying them, mimicking their game style. And when I got in the game, I just did whatever I could to contribute. Talk a little bit about your relationship with uh, Jamari Joyner. You guys have gone back to the Falcons. You guys are kind of synonymous with each other. I mean, when somebody mentions one of you guys, you mentioned the other. You're both wide receivers. Is that a kind of a special bond that you guys both have? I mean, yeah, he's, he's been my childhood friend since we were since I was six and he was five. I used to stay at his house on the weekends after games, and we ran track together. So, yeah, me and Jamari have a pretty uh, close relationship, and – it's been that way since we were five and six. And now that he plays receiver, I mean, before it was like he played quarterback. So I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be throwing to me. And now he's lining up alongside of me. So I think it's pretty cool. Before we get into, you know, this season and, you know, what you're doing on the field, um, after they're the all coaching upheaval, obviously, you know, like a lot of people, you entered the portal, look around, committed to Ball State. Now, Jed Fish comes in then. What was Jed? What was the pitch from Coach Fish, and what made you look and say, you know what, this is the guy that I want to continue to play with for the rest of my college career? Oh yeah, Coach Fish. He just has he has this unbelievable swagger about him, the confidence that he has, and he he told me we talked on the phone. He told me he has a vision for the program, and he wants me and some of the other guys to be a part of. We want, he wants us to be like the roots of the program to turn it around. And once he said that, I knew like it was a coach I wanted to play for. And then I talked to KC, Coach Cummings, the receiver coach, and he was on the same page as Coach Fish. It didn't seem like it was any wishy-washy stuff going on. So once I talked to them, I, it was a no-brainer to just come back and continue to represent my hometown and play with the people I started playing with and not start somewhere fresh. All right, Stan. So then you've got Jed Fish talked in his presser, and I thought of you almost immediately. He was talking about, yes, you know what? We're not going to go to the Rose Bowl this year. But he said what these guys are doing right now is these are foundational players. And he said those guys are as important as anybody four years down the road would we get this going. Has he talked to you about that, being that you are one of the faces of the program, that you guys are laying the foundation for where they want to get to? I mean, yeah, he talks about it a lot, especially with our upperclassmen, the guys who have one year left, the guys who have two years left. And he talks about it with also the young guys. And he always tells us, like, you might not see it now, but in a couple of years, you're going to look back and be like, oh, that's what that's what we started. And you're going to have pride in Arizona football. And regardless of win or loss, I'm always going to have pride in Arizona football because it's, it's what I do. It's where I've been is what I've always wanted to do my whole life. And so, yeah, he talks about it a little bit, but I think we all have an idea that, that we're the foundation of the turnaround. All right. When I told a couple of people I was going to have you on, um, both of them has told me, they said, you know what, if you bring up his stats, he's not going to want to talk about that. He's going to want to talk about the team, but you know what, Stan, I'm about to bring up your stats right now. You got 33 catches, 338 yards, a touchdown. You're one of the leading receivers in the nation as far as catches go. Did you have a feeling, and be honest here, did you have a feeling that this could be a big statistical year for Mr. Stanley Berryhill? Uh, yeah, not about stats. I get it. I get it. But, you know. Yeah, you kind of think about it sometimes, but 
I just think let's make the most of my opportunities. It doesn't matter if I get five catches a game or 12 catches a game. As long as, as when I get the ball, I'm just going to try to do as much as possible when I do have the touches. So, yeah, you think about it and you talk about it with your teammates, your friends, family members. But uh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. But So I just hope to keep going and keep improving my game. Coach Fish said after the first game against BYU that he needs to get you the ball at least 10 times a game. You've got to get 10 touches in any capacity. When you're in the film room, when you're with the coaches, how does that go? I'm not asking you to, like, break down, you know, the intricacies of what plays you're getting, but when they say we got to get stand the ball or these are positions, how does that rundown go? Uh, Sometimes it's just plays. Like, it's not necessarily get stand the ball, but it's just certain plays – that that in certain situations I could get the ball. So just be aware of those situations on the field. But for the most part, in meetings, it's more, it's more just uh, constructive criticism on what I need to improve on rather than praise the whole time. So uh, it's a nice reality check from when I look on social media and people are talking about how good I'm doing. But it's nice to always hear the constructive criticism so I know what I need to improve on and not just getting praised all the time. Yep. You talked a lot, a lot about your dad early on about how important he's been for your development. He's at all the practices. You know, he's, our, he's a guy that, you know, certainly sticks out. Talk a little bit about uh, your dad and just kind of the influence he's been and how he's made you into the player that you are today. Uh, ever since I was five, my dad has always had a plan for me and and – wants me to be the best player I could be, regardless of what sport it was. If I was playing volleyball, he would go and throw the ball up and I would spike it. Or if I was playing lacrosse, he didn't even know how to play lacrosse. He would throw, he'll figure <laughs> out how to learn how to do whatever he can to make me a better player. So not even in just football, he, he helped me in the athlete I was in every sport. Even if he didn't know it, he would go and research and figure out what's the best way or ideas of how I can get better. So, yeah, he's been a big part of my success in my whole athletic career, especially in football. Um, he does it. He's a great man. I mean, he helps my little brothers also. And he just he just wants everyone to be great around him. So regardless if you're his kid or if you're just one of the kids he coaches, he's going to do whatever he can to make you the best player he can. All right, Stan, we just got a couple more minutes here. I wanted to talk a little bit going forward about uh, where the program is. So you've got a bye week right now. You're coming off a performance against Oregon where you scared Oregon. Let's let's be honest here. I was watching that game. You were on the field. Anytime it's a one-possession game midway through the third, that's an issue for the team, especially the favorite team. you got a bye week now. you got UCLA coming in. What are the behind-the-scenes um, – MOs that the coaches are saying basically about building off the Oregon game, using this bye week as kind of a springboard to get into UCLA. Um, I mean, we're just focusing on not beating ourselves. I mean, we had five turnovers in the Oregon game, which if two of those turnovers did not happen in the red zone, then maybe the outcome is different. You never know. So we just focus on not beating ourselves and because that's what – we do a lot is we beat ourselves or we don't capitalize in certain situations. So we're just focusing on capitalizing in certain situations, not being ourselves and uh, getting an early look at UCLA. 
Stan, I can't thank you enough for uh, sharing about 15 minutes of your time. And, you know, you can just tell by the YouTube comments, you're making a lot of people proud and repping the city the way you had. It's been real, incredibly impressive and look forward to watching you the rest of the season, buddy. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, I appreciate it. That's Stanley Barry Hill III joining us right here on AZ Wildcats podcast. All right. Here's the thing with Stan that I think is incredibly important and where people need to look at it and go from here. Stan, people talk about Tucson all the time, and you know what? There's not a lot of great players. You know what? There are good players in this city, and the problem is in the past is that guys like Stan, I don't know, have necessarily been prioritized. You look at South Point. You look at a school that you've got Bijan Robinson. You've got at Texas. You've got Lathan Ransom at Ohio State. You've got Mateo Mele at Washington. You've got all of these different players out there that are guys who can really play at the highest level. These are the kind of guys that need to be prioritized, and I think Jed Fish gets that. And that's the one thing about this new coaching staff is that they're not going to be outworked recruiting. And you could just tell by the way that Stan was talking during this interview that he's proud of what they're accomplishing, and he's proud, quite frankly, of what this coaching staff has been able to do, prioritizing everything that they've done. Now, one thing that you're going to want to also do if you get the opportunity, you're going to want to hop onto DraftKings and you're going to want to put in code word PHNX. And you know what? You get a one dollar. You put down one dollar, you get a hundred and fifty dollar free play out of that. I know quite a few people that have hopped on there and they've done exactly that, and they've gotten hundred and fifty bucks. And you know what? There's nothing better than watching a game. And you got a little bit of action in there on the side. Now, the one thing, though, that you, everybody needs to know is you got to download the DraftKings app. That's the most important part. And again, code word PHNX. And this is for Arizona only. You got to be 21 and up. And if you got a gambling issue, 1 800 next step. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. But everybody's hopping on DraftKings. And you know what? Quite frankly, everyone out there should as well. Now, Stan talked a little bit about what Tucson means to him. And the it's personal phrase I think is interesting because I've, I'm a Tucson native. I, I have so many weird meaningless stats, you know, that you look over my shoulder, you've got the Ludols and you've got all of these different uh, uh, pride perspectives when it comes to the, when it comes to the U of A. What I think though, is that if you don't, if you don't get the local kids, if you don't prioritize those kids, it doesn't really matter going forward because these are going to be the backbone. You look at some of the great teams on here and a guy like Kelvin Ephon just hopped in here and he said, keep up the good work, Stan. He's talked about it before. If you don't control your backyard, if you don't get the Stanberry Hills of the world, it doesn't really matter because those are guys who are going to be the foundational backbone. I thought Stan also made another interesting point too, where he's talking about he wanted to be able to do this for his city. And if you do that for your city, it's different. Anybody that grew up in Tucson, anybody that grew up in Dallas, Kelvin Ephon, these are the kind of guys that are going to put in a little bit more. Not that the other players aren't, but they're going to put in a little bit more of an, eff an effort because it's pride. When they leave and they go out to hang out with their buddies at parties or on campus, 
these are guys that they've known for 20 years. These are people that they know and they're repping that university. So it's incredibly important to be able to keep kids like that home, especially good kids like that. Now, Scott Schlittenhardt just said, do you think it's because kids want new experiences and it doesn't matter what Arizona does? If they're a four or five star kid, Arizona can't compete with the Oregons. You know, Scott, I think that's a good point, but I would differ with it a little bit. Sure, a guy like Bijan Robinson might not ever go to the University of Arizona. I get that. But you know what? Just because he says no doesn't mean that I'm not going to recruit him until the very end. And I know that there was some frustration amongst at times at South Point about the previous coaching staff just not being engaged. These are these are layups right here. Again, you might not get these kids, but if you've got four or five D1 kids each year and Stan's an exception because Stan didn't go to South Point, but you've got three or four kids that are open to come into the U of A, you've got to use that because these are kids that all they can play. And then you branch out, you start looking at Phoenix, you start do, looking at L.A. And I think that Jed Fish, quite frankly, gets that. And I think when you look at the players, then sure, it's been a t- tough season. But I think when you look at the players, I think they get that one as well, that this is going to be a little bit of a process. But at the same time, it's something where when you get to that part, when you become that foundational piece, you're almost going to feel a little bit better. And Scott just responded where he says, got to ask the pretty girl out, even if she ultimately says no. But you know what? The pretty girl, though, is also, if you're persistent and you have a product out there to be proud of, the pretty girl might also start taking a second look. You've got to be in there, and that's got to be your mentality going forward. And the cool thing here is if you're listening to this, we're going to have a lot of uh, pretty cool guests on. We had Stan Barry Hill on. We're going to have Benedict Matherin, U of A, uh, uh, U of A projected first-round pick in basketball coming up later in the week. And you know what? Subscribe to the AZ Wildcats podcast. You should also check out Go PHNX. You got a lot of good stuff from all the beats around the, the state. You've got live streams like this. Everybody's doing a great job. You've got consistent articles. It's really kind of a, it's the place to be, and it's only going to get bigger. And I wanted to transition just a little bit because uh, this is going to be our last live stream until uh, media day. But Arizona Hoops is here tomorrow. Arizona Media Day is here, and we're going to have a lot to talk about there. And we got an article that's going to be coming up in a little bit. But I think maybe the coolest thing about it is we're going to get to see Tommy Lloyd up close. We're going to get to see this basketball team and what they're really all about. And again, everybody knows about Benedict Matherin and Najulis Tabellis. Those are going to be the two best players on the team. You're looking at guys that are all conference caliber players. But you know the guy that I'm going to really be keeping an eye on? And that's going to be Kirk Creasa. Now, it certainly helps that his name's Kerr. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. If you were going to name a kid to be an Arizona basketball player and you wanted to go with someone's last name, well, I don't know that Bibby is necessarily an acceptable first name, but if you wanted to go with Kerr or Elliot, you're going to be able to do something with that. He's going to be the kid that is going to be t- given the reins at point guard U. And let's be honest, I think all eyes are going to be on him. And Tommy Lloyd has talked about how this is going to be a kid that has a lot of potential. He's going to be able to run. 
it's going to be more of a free-flowing type environment, I think. And so we'll have a lot of coverage about what exactly is expected out of Kerr and highlights just to see exactly what he can do. Other guys too, Christian Coloco, big man. How's he look? Everybody out there that's got Instagram has seen him rain in those three-pointers. Is that going to translate to a game or is that a Ben Simmons type thing? We'll find that out. Dalen Terry. This is a kid that the local kid that a lot of people have watched since the very beginning. And he's a kid that I think flash it has more potential than maybe he showed last year. And in this positionless basketball scheme, it's going to be fun to see how exactly he's incorporated into what Tommy Lloyd wants to do. Is he going to play some big? Is he going to play some small? There's a lot of different angles to take. It's a new era of basketball. And you know what? At uh, AZ Wildcats podcast, we're going to be there. Go PHNX is going to be uh, on there at the beginning. And again, you know, if you're not on DraftKings right now, you should be on DraftKings because we got college basketball right around the corner. And growing up in the Lute Olsen era, if there was an over that I could bet on, I'm probably going to use DraftKings on that because they're probably going to be going over. You got the best time of the season where you got basketball, you got football, and you can parlay. You can do a lot of different things. And if you put in the code word PHNX, you put down $1, you get a free $150 play out of that. I mean, let's be honest here. Is there anything really cooler than making money while you're watching sports? And that's exactly what DraftKings can do. And you know what? I'll be looking at some of those angles for sure all season with U of A basketball team. But just wanted to kind of give you guys a heads up that we're going to be covering this really, really closely. And obviously, we're not going to sacrifice the football coverage. Guys like Stan certainly make it uh, easy to cover this team because you can see where they're going. But I just want to thank uh, everybody that listened, everybody that contributed on YouTube, Stan Barry Hill, Adam Gonzalez, the entire program. That was a, that was an awesome interview, and this will be uh, posted up shortly on the podcast. But for everybody listening, thanks again, and uh, we'll be back with you. Be sending, uh, putting out a lot of stuff on social media tomorrow from the UVA Basketball Media Day. But again, Stan Barry Hill. Thank you, my man, and thank you out there for everyone listening. This has been the AZ Wildcats podcast.